This is episode number 466 of the Health and Fitness Podcast, brought to you by Inner Fight in association with Smith Street Paleo. Get all of your paleo food delivered to your house or office every day so you don't have to think about food. You can just open the bag and hop into all the goodness that Smith Street Paleo is. This week, we're joined by a guest from the UK, a guy with an incredible amount of experience. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, folks, to another edition of the Health and Fitness Podcast by In a Fight. Thank you for tuning in, and thanks also to Tom Walker, who's slowly trying to take over the Health and Fitness Podcast with all of these guests. Mate, you found us someone else today. Yeah. Give us a little bit of background on, on how you actually got our guest of today on the show. Well... Each week, I get a uh, an email into my inbox from uh, Matt Lovell, who's on the show today, and it's an, always a really informative email that I take about 20 minutes to half an hour to read through and pick out all the gems wow. of it, and wow. so uh, now we have him here, live. <laughs> have him. Matt Lovell, all the way from London on Skype, mate, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to us. How's things? Really good, thanks. No. And no problem at all. No, it's it's nice, really nice for you guys to have me on on uh, to to talk nutrition this morning. It's brilliant. Awesome, mate. Let's. Why don't we kick off? Give us a little bit of background on yourself and sort of what you do in the world of nutrition. That's probably the best start point. Cool. So, uh, yeah, without without sort of um, life history, a brief uh, rundown. I'm I'm basically. Um, Working half really in elite sports and half with normal normal folk, and I do I do a role which is sometimes called performance nutritionist, sometimes called clinical nutritionist. I'm trained as a nutritional therapist. Um, I've been doing it professionally about 20 years, and I've been I've been lucky enough to work across all sports really at at, at a really you know good level. I was. I was England rugby nutritionist for 15 years through Oof. four World Cup cycles, um, seven seasons with uh, Tottenham Hotspur, six Man City, and I'm currently looking after uh, Bournemouth and Reading football clubs and and a Georgian rugby team. Wow! Yeah. So you bring you bring a little bit of experience to the table, then, mate. <laughs> I, hope so. I hope I do. Was one yeah. of those World Cups the one England won? Yes, it was. Ah. Fortunately, yeah. I st- my role started two years before the the two thousand and three World Cup. Wow! Did you get a medal? Uh, did you? Hey, <laughs> did I get a signed ball? Did you get a medal? Um, no, I didn't. Ah, what? Oh, mate. I know. Should have um, robbed one of the players when they were drunk. <laughs> I know. No. Mate, let, let's, ju- let's jump into that. I mean, that's quite quite a good start point, especially for, for, for the English and not really for Tom because he's Welsh. But how, how, did you, how did that come around? How did you start working with the England rugby team? Because, I mean, that's like right at the top of, of sort of performance, isn't it? Especially a Rugby World Cup. Yeah, so... Essentially, as soon as I qualified, I went straight into um, an apprenticeship on Harley Street, working with doctors, other nutritionists, dietitians, and in the first six months, they were they were all, that clinic was already looking after a number of uh, Saracens players, some of whom were England players, right. and that that work then spiraled into looking after the England team. 
and then a, a short while after that the, the the clinic closed down but the the rugby football union wanted the continuation of care so they they bought um one of the senior doctors adam carey and myself in to run the nutrition wow um, and that so that's how it happened you know it's what it's like one of those things is sort of you got to work your ass off but also at times you you're in the right place at the right time absolutely yeah yeah so matt you said you at the start we always pick out when people say this you said you were lucky enough to work with the team but actually it was through you doing what a lot of practitioners should do which is like the the lower end like starting out work that led you to, to obviously getting a place for the team what you've just been told you're going to be the nutritionist for England where do you start like what do you what do you do because it's not luck that you've got there you're obviously very good at what you do so what is your first port of call well you I mean I, I think the I think you're right you got it you've got to be good at what you do or you don't get you don't get jobs like that but I think the, the thing with that is that you just continue to do what you you're trained to do so you I think the word individualized nutrition or personalized nutrition is banded about a lot these days. But that we were amongst some of the early adopters of that those sorts of principles of functional medicine and integrated medicine. And so we were we were you know doing the blood tests. We were correcting deficiencies. We were we were using like a high end. Um, sports supplementation obviously all drug screened and all natural and all the rest of it but you know we, so we got we got a head start really on other international teams who have to be fair everyone's really caught up now it's much more of an even playing field but i think we were ahead of the game back then what were you uh, what were you doing that was so much different mate well you know nothing that crazy looking at um what what people currently do <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's ta- tailoring. Look, if you start with the basic stuff, it's tailoring macros for um, according to lean body mass. So, you know, basic stuff like that. So ensuring everyone's uh, uh, got adequate protein, the right kind of fats, uh, carbohydrate cycling according to energy intensity of, of, of their weekly cycle. So they... They go. They maybe restrict carbs when they need to drop fat, increase carbs for performance, and then a big, a big um, focus on cleaning up. So clean. I, I still use the word clean foods. I don't mind using that, um, but organic where possible. Cook everything. Cooked from scratch. You know, getting rid of all the crappy foods, processed foods. Nothing with chemicals, additives, all that. You know, as far as possible. Yeah. So the sort of 80-20% rule kind of applied to that. And then once once they're in a really good place with their nutrition overall, then you're putting in, uh, you know, cycled cycled sports supplementation. You know, so things we all, we all read about all the time, you know, creatine, um, fish oils, uh, you, you, uh, correct use of multivitamin. We had... We had protocols to induce like really deep restful sleep using amino acids. Um, that was that was quite innovative. So we looked at what what people were doing in um, burns victim hospitals. Wow. Actually, some some of the early research was all done in France back then, and they were using like IV, but also oral uh, amino acid supplementation to grow tissue back really quickly. So. Wow. 
obviously in a in a setting like that, <clears throat> if you don't grow your skin back quickly, then then you then you die. But uh, in a in a rug you know in a rugby in a rugby player, it's all about recovery because it's such a massive collision based sport that the quicker you can recover and the high the higher your lean mass overall as a squad on average as well. The, you know, the more dominant you can be as a team, and I think we see that again and again. You know, teams that get that right, get the S and C right, and get the get the right balance between strength, power, endurance. They physically, as long as they got the skill base to back it up, yeah. physically they they can dominate and run over other teams. How you know. how was it? I mean, mate, that that was quite early, two thousand one. I actually remember when when I was playing rugby and um, when when I was at university. And I played for a club side, and after training, I think on a Thursday night, they, they'd feed us, so we had we got enough food, and I think we were given a, a hot pork pie and some mushy peas. Um, so that was that was probably only in uh, I think I finished university in in 2000. So what I'm getting at, mate, is that what you're talking about now, people obviously like they get it, and 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 we we've heard about organic foods, but back in the day, like 2001 or early 2000s. It, all of this stuff must have been quite sort of new to people. Was there a, a certain amount of resistance, or ha- how was it? How was it taken? Well, well, to be honest, within that environment, it was it was really well um, tolerated. You, you've always got one or two resistant players potentially, who are just harder to work with in Probably terms of behaviour change. But the the core philosophy and the way that team structure was one I mean everybody just lapped it up because they knew they could just feel the difference yeah you know they, they'd be they'd be playing at a level and then they'd they'd have the nutritional intervention and then a few months later they'd be physically looking very different playing very differently recovering much more efficiently who did you see the biggest changes in uh, with, with you know which players give us a few give us a few examples of which players actually benefited the most from cleaning up their diet. Well, I mean, you know, across the squad, you'd be looking at um, lean lean massing, average increases of four or five kilos, combined with dropping two to three kilos of fat mass. I mean, wow. I remember Danny Grucock was an example of someone in the in the rugby the, in the in the pre-training rugby World Cup camp. He actually he gained. He gained um, ten kilos in in weight in in body composition change. So he gained six kilos of muscle mass and lost four kilos of fat. Wow! So his body composition overall change, if you add those two together, was yeah. We we used to combine that, so his overall change was ten kg positive. That's incredible. Mate, how, uh, talk, talk us through how you actually achieve that in, in a sports person like that, because I think that's one of the biggest things for a lot of, even even just the general population, like they want to, want or they think they want to increase muscle mass, but they want to lose fat mass as well. So how do you put, how did you put that in place in this, in this situation? Well, the first thing I would say is that is a, um, it's an extreme result because he's in a controlled environment. So he's got three months of, being cooked for, you know, they're, they're two hours in the weight room uh, before breakfast. They'd be training three times a day, eating somewhere between five and 7,000 calories, all of which 
is you know high quality and then on top of that they had this full sports supplementation support right so right. aminos recovery drinks everything so quite so, quite different from the general population of course yeah. so you could probably expect to sorry just decline that that's uh, good Answer it if you want, if they're interested, mate. We'll get, we'll get no. them on the show. Is it Danny Grucock? <laughs> um, yeah, so general pu- public could expect, you know, to see, pub, you know, about 50% of that type of that type of result, I would say. Wow. You know, you know so, and what, well, what, how would you go about that? Well, um, getting, your, getting your protein grams to around two grams per kilo is a really good, really good start. Um, the rest depends on how fat someone is, really. So if you're skinny, then you basically need to go into a calorie positive. Yeah. Um, if you're very, if you're very over fat, you can actually run quite a negative calorie balance and still um, gain gain muscle quite effectively. See it all the time because you're just using your fat for fuel, providing enough protein to rebuild the muscle. And then, and then just maintenance sort of calories from carbs and, and fat, um, just to support you know general uh, activities of everyday living, so you're not feeling too tired. Mm. But you, the other thing to remember about gaining lean mass for most people is it's it's a really slow process. So if you suddenly go chuck in you know 500 extra calories every day, the chances are you're going to gain uh, fat weight as well as as well as lean weight. So the rate of muscle development is, you know, is it's only you can work it out. There's various equations, but it's only a couple of hundred calories a day at most in surplus. Um, if you're a newbie trainer, you gain quite fast in your first few months. But yeah. if you've had a couple of years' experience in the weights room, then the, the gains will be much slower. So you have to adjust your expectations according to how much experience in the weights room that someone's had. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I tend to work. I work everything out based on um, lean mass. So, yeah, just work out. And, and I'm a big believer in tracking. So, whilst you can start all these processes with equations, with numbers, and things like that, the 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 results come when you fine tune things based on your body composition changes, performance outcomes, and so on. And I'd be getting people to measure those. Really, every week, but certainly, certainly no less than bi weekly. How how what's your go to, mate, on measuring people's sort of body composition? Because obviously, there's a, there's a lot with DEXA scan, with with calipers. What what do you? What's your go to? Yes, yeah, so I I I really like calipers. I think there's something about taking your top off of and having your fat bits pinched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sort of. It's psychologically, if you've got to go and see someone and have that done, I think you just you stick to your program a bit more closely. I think. I love but it. that that being said, I do like multiple methods. So I also I'm, I'm a big fan of measure. Yep. Um, I lo- uh, the bioimpedance scales are, you know, they are they jump around all over the place. But if you do them consistently, you'll get consistent inaccuracies. So. Because it's a machine, I like the background. It's not, you know, it's not subjective. So I use that to verify uh, any caliper changes. But you've got to take a lot of measurements. You can't jump on that once a week. I'll have people on that most days, sometimes twice a day, 
just so they're aware of fluid balance and how it can alter the readings on a machine. Yeah. Um, the fo- photos and the mirror test, you know, are brilliant. Sometimes I've looked after bodybuilders who are not really interested in the calipers because even if the calipers say they're really lean, if they don't look right, then they're not going to, you know, they're not going to do well on stage. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's all about the mirror. Um, so, yeah, mul- definitely multiple methods. Um, and that gives you an advantage. So sometimes one or two methods won't change, but the third one will. Mm. So you've always got a modality that you can, you know, if, sometimes you might lose visceral fat and, and it's not it's not showing up on your caliper test, for example, but it will show up on a waist circumference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, Dexa, I don't know, it's, um, it's expensive, you can't do it that frequently. But it, you know, it does give you other useful data like bone, bone mineral density. So, yeah, if you've got, you've got an athlete or female athlete, then that can be useful as well. Yeah, I, I definitely think like some, like you said there, mate. Like a, a, a photo is obviously a lot of time. It's it's super good, and 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 also it's, it's actually why I, I used to use sort of back in the day, just like you said, old-fashioned tape measure. I used to have, I think I used to call it 13 points of truth and just measure 13 different sites on my body once a week and just track it through that. So I think that's that's another thing that sometimes a little bit old school and a little bit less technology is probably benefits us, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 People, people, and as long as long as your arms and legs are getting bigger and your waist is getting smaller then you <laughs> think generally good, yeah. yeah. Matt, um before then you said about you know, with the calipers, you're, you're coming in, you've got to think about taking your shirt off and having someone pinch your fat. How much of the work that you do with the general population comes down to mindset? Because people know what to eat, they know what foods are bad, yet they still need nutritionists to help them. So what, what's your role with people when it comes to mindset? That's a great question. I, I think increasingly um, that piece around behavior changes is the you know it's all it it's time and time again it's the stumbling block so like you say look if someone's motivated they could easily google a semi-decent program and follow it and get results yeah um so a lot of a lot of the success comes from the relationship you build with the client and essentially the number of points of contact and making that person accountable um i i spend a lot of time talking to people about how they visualize and and do the sort of goal setting, um, how they make themselves accountable. That that sort of self-talk is a a massive part of it as well, this kind of negative self-talk versus positive self-talk. Yeah. There's the, the other thing is about the sort of pleasure pain continuum. So there's, there's, there's some really interesting stuff around how people frame their behaviors in terms of is it does it make them feel good does it make them feel bad and almost everything other other than sort of obvious stuff that is definitely really really painful and bad for you can be can be reframed you know the the simple thing is the first, you know the first time someone does like a lactate workout they're going to feel horrible they're going to feel sick but if if they're of the right personality in six months, they're going to get a, they're going to get a buzz from that type of a 
a training experience. Yeah. Even though it's still what most people would describe as a, you know, a painful event. And a similar process goes around the f- foods that people that people are addicted to or crave and then, you know, they're eating them for, for comfort. There's a process where you they'll go through with withdrawal, you know, the the drug effect of the sort of sugar, fat and salt does induce um, withdrawal effects which are similar to coming off, you know, other drugs. So people are bound to feel a little bit unhappy and, and potentially unwell when as they're adjusting their, their plan. Yeah, so what... What do you suggest to your to your guys to do when, you know, when people have that craving, they have a stressful day, they want to get home, they can't be bothered with dinner, they just want to just want to grab food or, or order food that's really accessible that may not be the best uh, the best thing to go for. What's how do you connect to someone to tell them, you know, to tell them otherwise without them seeing you as a, a really negative person to have in their life at that minute? Well, one method I use is a simple traffic light system. Um, so, like a, a bronze, silver, and gold, or you know, uh, amber, am, green, red. So, generally, when people are on track, they'll be scoring golds or greens. Um, something that might be a fifty-fifty or grey area might give them an amber or a silver. A silver, and if they're if they're off plan, it's a red or a bronze. And then I'll I'll get them to use a calendar so essentially that if they've got that feeling and then they've ordered a Chinese takeaway but there's only one red dot in a month I'm like that's fine don't worry okay. about it Yeah. but if, if the whole week's red dots then there's just no way they're going to be progressing towards their goals so sometimes you have to get them to revisit the vision and the, and the reasons why they're they're engaged in the in the behaviour change in the first place yeah there's a there's a there's a load of stuff I do with aminos around brain chemistry and trying to alter um, craving patterns like that. So you know, almost preempt preempt the. There's a phrase: the brain will always win. So if the brain is really hankering after something, it's potentially because it's it's craving a serotonin boost or trying to get your body to switch off. Um, a cortisol response, or and and so you're leaning towards sugar, fat, salt, al- potentially alcohol, fast food, stuff like that. But if you could take, if you can take, um, like a five HTP sort of serotonin precursor, glutamine, inositol. There's various herbs that all induce that kind of feel good factor. Yeah. So, so if you people are getting a a message from the brain saying uh, we need a, a boost here when people that normally people would think oh I need some sugar or some chocolate they say to you oh, I just I just really crave chocolate actually it's their brain after a chemical which might be serotonin in the case the feel-good uh, chemical for the brain so you can almost it's not tricking the brain but you're actually giving it what it needs without the connection to food is that what you mean yeah exactly exactly and it I mean, the chocolate isn't quite an easy one because you just switch them to an 85%, um, you know, organic dark chocolate or a 90%, and it's hard to eat more than two squares of that. But you can quite happily plough through. I, I, I don't do this myself, but... You, you sound my, like you've got some experience, <laughs> mate. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. 
Yeah, but milk milk chocolate is much easier to eat a, a large amount because it just doesn't yeah. satisfy the craving senses in the brain quite quite optimally. Yeah. Are there any other things you can do like non uh, food? So something that we uh, talked about a few weeks ago in one of our uh, things that we do called Coach the Coaches is how to make people feel better through actions they do in their day. So if they're craving that, sh- you know, that, that sugar hit that, that is a craving, not an essential thing to the body, can you suggest to them go and you know, say hello to a random person or go and make someone's day? Would that give the brain the same? Does that hit the spot the same as like chocolate would? Have they done any studies on that? I don't know. I don't know if they've done studies on it, but essentially that dopamine, that dopamine reward pathway, can be fulfilled by doing uh, completing any successful action. Okay. If it's a, if it's a task, a positive interaction with somebody, uh, a learning experience, and it's certainly something I always suggest because any time you remove or reduce something, you have to replace it with something else. And I think that's some, something that people often forget. If you're, if you, it, let's say, if someone's you know used to going down the pub every night for four or five pints, and then suddenly, you know, they can't do that. They're just going to be sitting at home twiddling their thumbs. So the the chance of a successful outcome yeah. situation is really low. But if you get them out, you know, playing uh, two hours of tennis or going to the gym, they're gonna they're not be thinking about the pub. Or anything like that, and they're going to get um, they'll get a nice endorphin release, uh, positive brain chemistry sort of process from engaging in that separate activity and the, and the, and the exercise response as well. Yeah. So next time you're craving sugar, guys, get up, walk around the office, give everyone some high fives, sit back down, and craving taken care of. Let's see, see how it goes. Yeah. I mean, it's that's a bit, mate. It, it's funny you actually brought that up because it, it's a very similar. Um, theory or, or call to action as is written right at the back of the book the the power of habit by charles duhigg um he says exactly the same thing he says if you're craving sugar in the office he gives you three different scenarios he's like go around the office just talk to people oh, yeah. go make a cup of coffee and and try and figure out why that behavior is happening so that's a, lo- a lot of it matt's really around people's behaviors right when we when we jump out of performance nutrition a lot of it is around their behaviors and habits that we, we create right 100 percent, 100 percent. and yeah. i think that 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 process where you make something from being feeling unusual into feeling normal and usual yeah. it takes a little bit um longer than people probably recognize probably it's where this, you shift that pattern into a different part of the brain so then you know. Then if you're not w- waking up and doing your little ten minute exercise ritual, it feels it feels weird. It feels yeah. you know different. Um, so it, it's it's all about it's all about the little. I think the little things that people repeatedly do. I think it's encouraging them to think that you know they don't have to have a revolution, a, a massive overhaul, and change twenty things all at once. But if they just change a couple of things each week. Um, keep keep the mindset fo- firmly focused on the vision. There's there's potentially work they can do around you know projecting forward. So like if they don't if they don't change their behaviours, how will they feel in six months? How will they feel in a year, yeah. five yeah. years, yeah. and doing yeah. it like that? So that's quite a powerful tool. So 
you know, if that person stays the same, how are they going to feel in 25 years when they're talking to their son or daughter or grandchildren about how they've handled their life, you know? Yeah, and then suddenly, suddenly you think, oh, actually, I really do want to give up that negative behavior. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it, to, to try and get people to tack in into that sort of more long-term thinking and then you know it really does put things in perspective but at the in the moment sometimes it's i think it's difficult for people to to create those links and those associations right it really is and and look if you're talking to a young person about long-term health consequences <laughs> yeah. they're gonna be like no not interested how do i get a six-pack yeah <laughs> Mate, let's jump over a little bit to sort of maybe in, into the general population. What we've obviously seen, I, I believe, more than now, more than ever, is general population focusing quite heavily on macronutrient management, which previously, I think, I mean, even when, when I was playing a lot of sport early days, it wasn't something that was talked about. What's your views on sort of how much attention people of the general population should be paying to that and how should we put it all together? Well, I, first of all, I think <clears throat> I think that awareness is is a good thing. Um, I think, as you said, you know, twenty years ago it was pork pies and mushy peas post post training, and even though the post training window is a very forgiving window for <laughs> any kind of calories, and look, back then you, it was you'd struggle to find a health food shop, and now basically every there's there's a smoothie centre on every street corner. Yeah, so. You know, but strangely, at the same time, the obesity and diabetes statistics yeah. are still going way, way wrong. So there's a sort of a disparity between the people that know what to do and are doing it, and then the people that just don't know or haven't been taught and continuing to do it, do it badly. So in terms of back to your macronutrient question, I think calories is important. But yeah. the phrase I like to use is is a is around that is a quote from Bruce Lee that. It's like when you learn something, when you don't know something, you just eat instinctively. You eat according to hunger, what you like, what you've been brought up on. And then when you start learning, you're like, how many grams of proteins in that? What's this? What's that? You're reading it back to labels. But hopefully, after, you know, as short a period as possible, you, you then get back to the instinctive process where you just eat, you eat those foods and they they're around about the right kind of macros you need so they they work for you and then you stop you know you stop thinking you know in such a sort of detailed way about your food because i think a healthy way to eat is is not overly critical of right. intake once you've once you've cleaned up everything and you know you know you know your way around all the tricks that the food industry tries to to play on people yeah it's um it's a minefield out there though isn't it mate because the, the food industry is playing tricks on people what what you must have some especially you've been in the in, in the game in, in a long time you must have some thoughts on the way that sort of social media influencers uh, big the kardashians and such are influencing people's eating decisions these days yes yeah, i mean some of that some of that is is okay if it's around, uh, you know, a sensible brand who've got, you know, a quality brand. Some of it I don't like because, look, I, I, I mean, I'm a, I make supplements and I, I don't pay my ambassadors. I bet they wish I did pay them, but <laughs> the, the point is that I only, I only have people say my stuff's good if they're already using it and already like using it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Whereas you can see, you know, sometimes people will pay a footballer like Ronaldo to say that a, a, a supplement company will, one, say that he takes it when he doesn't, and the second thing is to say it's really, really good, like Herb, Herbalife or whatever. Yeah, we certainly see uh, in, in the sport I work in the most triathlon, a lot of the athletes are now sponsored by Red Bull. And a lot of the comments on all their social posts is, do you actually really drink that? And they always reply with, uh, yes, I drink 30 minutes before a workout. And it's like, it's so like stamped in there. Red Bull have got it kind of down pat though, because I, as, obviously uh, Ross Edgley in the Great British Swim, yeah, yeah. he did a whole thing on like how he has a, on one of his update shows, how the he last has a, week, yeah. yeah, last week, like a can of Red Bull through it. And the, the other guy who has actually been on the podcast as well, Tom uh, Evans, the yeah. ultra runner who's taken ultra running by storm. Yeah. He's putting out how much of this Red Bull he's drinking as but well. But these guys are absolute outliers to the to the general population, aren't they? But people think, oh, they've, they're doing it, so I've got a workout coming up and, and I'm going to have one a little yeah. bit before. And you think, oh, it's just... <laughs> but mate, right. obviously your, your brand ambassadors are, as you said, I think when people are not paid, when they use products out of sort of tried, tested, love it, like the brand, obviously like you, then I think that gives a lot more sort of authenticity as well doesn't it yeah you, you hope you'd hope it would do <laughs> although i would i would i would say that i'm not against red bull i do i don't mind you, people using red bull before events and stuff I've, I've actually a lot of the footballers use it and if look if you're looking at pure you know what you need when you when you're training well you need you need simple sugars yeah. And a little bit of caffeine can help you at times as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean they they've done incredibly well, and <laughs> it's it's whether it's it's whether the like you say it's whether the athletes actually use it or whether they're just paid to say they use it. Yeah, exactly. So Matt, what have you actually developed? You said you have a line of products, but what what are they, and and why did you develop them? Oh right. So um, well, I'll give you. Uh, the the initial product I developed was based on the same protocols we used in the 2003 rugby team uh, to enhance the deep sleep with the aminos. So essentially one of the reasons they gained so much lean mass is they had an uh, enforced uh, like siesta in the afternoon. So there was a whole load of training throughout the morning. Then they had a, they had a three-hour block of time where they were encouraged to uh, have another sleep and so what we were able to do is give them two doses of this amino formula one before their afternoon sleep and one before their their nighttime sleep so that that's called r5 aminos um and it's 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 the, exactly the same blend we used back then really just with a few enhancements around you know little areas that have got updated over the years or little things that help that helped the formula be a bit better, be better absorbed. Yeah, that's amazing that's, that you actually you've developed a supplement to help with. Well, a lot of people think it would be a, a direct performance enhancer, yeah. but it's, it's actually to get more sleep into your athletes, which then obviously so uh, cool. helps performance. So that, I'm ordering it right now yeah. as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> it's so important. It, it really starts with thin, simple things like that. And how much sleep I, were you guys getting, mate? Um, averaging eight to ten hours in a twenty-four hour cycle. Massive. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and you say in a twenty-four hour cycle, so obviously they might have split that uh, little afternoon nap or post-training in the morning nap. Or was, is that how it went? 
Yeah, exactly. So you might you might have seven and a half at night, and then you know t- a two hour siesta kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Siesta sounds great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, no. If, if I, I bring that, that back into national curriculum, you should have called it uh, siesta. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> so is is that is that the main sort of thing, mate? Obviously, folks, if you, if you're wondering what we're talking about here, go over to uh, aminoman.com. That's basically where where we get it from, Matt. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's you could. So there are. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of different supplements on there. Um, I, I'm pretty much covering all the basics so there's multivitamin high very high quality all the the philosophy is around using you know as organic as possible the highest quality ingredients all that pure pharmaceutical grade all that sort of stuff so um but the 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 edge is in in some of the more unique blends there's a there's one called metabolic amino complex which is a pre and intra workout trainer uh training support amino blend uh no stimulants right there's um there's a focus formula so like a you know for cognition memory um but have a have a little dig around all all the formulas have got a full scientific write-up so every ingredient the the study related to why it's in the formula yeah and the the other thing to mention to people is the reason the formulas have been put together is is basically because they've, you know, they've, there's been five to ten years of using all those ingredients in in separate pots before we've sort of hit on a on a blend that works well for people. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a blend. It's a mixture of understanding the science, the references on the individual ingredients, but then also in the trenches, testing really, testing on myself, testing on athletes, and then finding out what people. What what makes people really really work well, mate? I know what would make me work well. The recovery aminos that is hot chocolate something in the title. I think that's uh, some great marketing we've Damn got in there. Just about oh, yeah. just about to press order on the forty nine ninety nine one there with hot chocolate in it. It sounds or the blueberry aminos. But yeah, folks, go definitely go and and, and check out. And I think one thing, mate, as well uh, that people should have a look at is is a list of of, of your ambassadors working there. Some really top level athletes that are that are taking this stuff as you said because they they believe it as well man i think that's a testament to what you've developed really thank you mate no it's um it's 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 super good what 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 other stuff mate and obviously big on aminos what what other if, if people are looking for something in their performance they feel they've got their diet tuned in what's your what's your next sort of go-to that's a really good question i would say uh the only way to know that is to do some more in-depth testing. Yeah. yeah. So I'm a big believer in blood work, hormone work, um, but you will only know what you really need if you have a if you have a proper look. And even even really really good diets, I would say, is it's the exception to the rule if you test someone's blood that something doesn't turn up a little bit low somewhere. Yeah. It could it could be obvious stuff is vitamin D. Obviously, you guys won't be suffering as badly with that. But even so, 
in Dubai, if you work in an office all day and avoid the sun because you're worried about getting wrinkly, then... Yeah, yeah and people who wear sunglasses all day. I think it, we actually... Yeah. Uh, I spoke, we had um, we had a nutritionist on, on the show from the UK that was working with a lot of CrossFit athletes over here, and he was actually quite surprised with the, with the low levels of vitamin D within a lot of the athletes because of what Tom said, that we're sort of inside a lot. And, and wearing sunglasses outside as well. So it's interesting. We've got bucket loads of the stuff and no one really absorbs it. So no one it's, it. yeah. Yeah, it's well, a, The thing is, if you, people will worry about burning, but if you're in Dubai and that kind of, that, that kind of intensive sun, you just, if, you, if you just got as naked as you were comfortable with, <laughs> you know, so as long as you don't get arrested and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a bit of a risk. Yeah, just do ten minutes. Like sizzle one side ten minutes, sizzle the other side ten minutes. You'll get a you'll get a massive vitamin D flood into the body, yeah. and you'll get you know you won't burn. So there'll be you know none of that kind of worries about skin damage from the UVA and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but there's a it's a really it's a real common deficiency, and the second most common deficiency I see is just omega threes. Mm. You know, yeah. people just don't often eat enough fish. Um, you know, you can, and you can't you you can't eat too much because if you eat too much, you get you get all the mercury. Yeah. So it's a sort of fine balance between eat, eating it about four times a week. Um. You know, getting all the omega six fats out of your diet from vegetable oil, fried foods, all those other nasty nasty things. So those two are almost always out of balance, and then things pop up. Little things like you might see a bit uh, low B twelve folate there might be a mineral missing uh people that are into their supplements often take way too much zinc so you 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 can see low copper as a result of that because the zinc blocks the copper absorption so you get you get little things that need fine tuning so it's worth spending a couple hundred quid on a panel uh, at least once a year just so just so you know what's going on inside i think yeah matt one of the reasons we wanted to get you on the show is got such a good body of experience and what we're seeing a lot over the past few years is is nutritionists or people claiming to be nutritionists they've done a weekend course here and there or even worse an online course or something like that online's the best online is the best <laughs> um do you how often do you read things online and just go oh no like what are the <laughs> what are the most common mistakes you see from uh, from self-proclaimed nutritionists out there well, I, th- I think I think um, yeah, giving people supplements without knowing what their levels are is, is a is a dangerous area. Yeah. And I think sometimes you'd see, you know, protocols based around optimizing hormones that might on the on that same tip about zinc. You know, a low testosterone protocol. So someone's given fifty milligrams of zinc. Uh, to take every day and actually probably if you did that you'd only really be looking to do that for two weeks but then six months later they're coming back and they've they've got zinc toxicity symptoms because you you know isolating a single nutrient and taking it in large amounts like that is just it's just really really dangerous um i think the other thing i don't like to see too much is advice around extreme extreme versions of dieting so you could take 
well, what's on Vogue now is really the ketosis type stuff. Now, again, there's, there's valid reasons to do that for short periods of time, absolutely valid. There's medical reasons to do it. But I think if you're following a long-term ketotic diet, then you've got to be really careful. And you, there's a ton of different mineral uh, electrolyte type imbalances that people need to look at. Um, and that's when blood tests and things like that become really, really important. And, and on the flip side, you know, the, the other thing that, is massively popular is this shift towards plant-based feeding, which I think is really positive because I think we all should eat primarily a plant-based diet, but I just believe that you should have a plant-based diet plus a little bit of fish, plus a little bit of meat, but, you know, not too much, just as much as as much as you need. Um, but getting people to eat more plants is really good, but maybe getting people to eat plants and nothing else then again, yeah. you got to look, got to look and see. Well, where's that going to lead in six months, and what inefficiencies will show up? Yeah. You know, because I think if you eat that, you can eat like that long term, but you just have to be very careful and aware of which food you need more of, which food you need less of. Yeah, yeah. So if you if you have just taken on a nutritionist, or you're you're following a nutritionist, and they're telling you that this one diet is the way, or you feel like the diet's a bit extreme, or they're telling you you need this supplement and they have no idea what your blood work is, you need to be a little bit mindful of, of where they're getting their, their information from. Yeah, and uh, absolutely. I think that's a great summary of what, what I've just been trying to emphasize. And, you know, I think the, the thing is a lot of these diets are a little bit better than most people eat anyway. So you do feel, you do feel better in the initial instance. Yeah, and you do lose the weight to begin with. We you do. You, you feel better for a month, two months, but then further down the line, that's you know that's where the you know longer term deficiencies are going to manifest, and then um, people are going to start to feel unwell. Yeah. I think I think that's it. It's, it, it. You get initial initial ups, and then yeah, people. I, I, there's not many people that sort of went to a plant based diet after watching what the health that I know that are yeah. still, still on, it. on it. Like it's it's. Yeah, and I, I think what you said earlier, mate, is that people do sort of fall back into to routines, and that's why understanding the habits of why you eat what you eat, and then what happens is is probably su- is is paramount as well to, to yeah. people's success with it. So, yeah. Well, Matt, I mean, we've mate, we've taken a lot of your time. You're obviously a super busy guy, mate. We just really appreciate you taking the time. It's um, we we've had a few different people on nutrition, and you've topped them mate you've really um with, with the experience that you've got and i think the way that you framed a lot of stuff as well i actually expected tom to get a lot more geeky with you but we we managed to keep it very um very easy for people so mate i really appreciate what what you're doing and and congratulations on what you've done mate it's um yeah it's thank you matt epic uh, epic cv so to speak you've got there so thank you so much mate we really appreciate it Thank you. Thank you, guys, and thanks a lot for having me on. Not That's at all. People, uh, go and check Matt out, aminoman.com. Definitely get that uh, that chocolate aminos we were talking about before. <laughs> That's awesome. Matt, we'll stay connected, but thank you so much for your time, mate. We really appreciate it. All right. Cheers, guys. Thank you.